Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Connolly with producer Neele Caruso. And on this video, you're going to meet somebody we quote on the air on WCBS all the time, every month. Real estate appraiser Jonathan Miller of Miller Samuel Appraisers and Consultants, who every month publishes, I'm telling you, reams of data about what is selling in what neighborhood and for how much. And the purpose of his business and consulting firm is to arm realtors and buyers with the information they need to be knowledgeable about the commercial and residential real estate markets. So, uh, Jonathan, of all the data that you're looking at at the moment, what trends are jumping out to you right now, fall of 2021? Uh, well, I think the number one trend is the essentially the market being turned upside down. Uh, if you look at New York City Metro before the pandemic, the market was as, and for the previous several years, I would describe it as softer at the top and tighter as you move lower in price at the, the high end of the market, even though that gets a lot of sort of eyeballs, uh, you know, in news articles, uh, was really relatively soft. And Post-lockdown, uh, post there's been this massive inversion where uh, the mid to upper end of the market really uh, is where the strength is. I'm not saying that the starter market isn't tight, but it's not the standout that it was, even with the drop in, in interest rates. So if I understand you correctly, the high end was soft, but now right. the high end is starting to pick up. Yeah, and and I think the reason for that is because the the economic impact of the pandemic was heavily weighted against, meaning more damage was experienced by lower wage earners. In other words, the lower uh, the lower the income, the higher the probability of of layoffs, job cuts, et cetera. And I think that ended up translating into real estate activity. Is it impossible, so to speak, to rent or buy an apartment in New York right now? Or is it still a better market than it was for the buyer or renter before the pandemic or about the same? Where is that? So it's it's sort of a mixed message. I think in aggregate, when we look at all the data, that if we compare today with the same period two years ago, because a year ago was 
we were just coming, you know, off to the races after the lockdown ended. But if we compare the market against two years ago, rents are not fully back to where they were pre-pandemic, uh, but they've been rising rapidly. That's an aggregate. However, we have segments of the market where uh, there there's bidding wars on rentals. So uh, so it's a very sort of mixed message. I think the the basically the big takeaway is that as we um, move further along, and I, and I think the the rebound of the rental market is heavily correlated with vaccine adoption. That uh, the city uh, sort of you know was perceived as safer, and 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 I'm not talking about you know, just suburban, urban where, you know, where people are camped out and especially millennials camped out in their parents' houses and then just dying to get into the city. Uh, but also domestic, just from anywhere in the U.S., uh, not, globally, there's still COVID travel bans. And so there's still tremendous upside coming into the city. Uh, I, I teach uh, market analysis at Columbia for the summer semesters. And uh, the last two years have been Zoom. Uh, they're going in person in the fall and all those students are renting. And so we've had this tremendous uptick in demand in the last, you know, since the early spring, really. Neil. Jonathan, are you seeing specific groups of people who talk about millennials or is that one group that you see really coming back to the city to stay permanently? And are there other segments that, have stayed out of the city that you feel will not come back. Right. So uh, it's a little bit across the board and I'll explain. So, uh, and speaking as I, I have four sons and my youngest one just moved into the city uh, because not just because it was more affordable, but because uh, you know, that's where the jobs are uh, or, you know, the jobs of uh um, you know, the, there's more job opportunities. And I think the whole narrative about, you know, when I think of the early days of the lockdown, which was the spring of 2020, uh, it was this sort of, you know, and there was a headline that's been made fun of now since that, you know, New York City is dead forever. Uh, essentially, I think the narrative was based on something that wasn't quite accurate sort of the fleeing the city in air quotes uh, really was false because uh, there was no inbound migration. It was all outbound. And so it was a very one-sided equation. And what I mean by that is um, consumers that felt unsafe, they moved out. And Manhattan actually bore the brunt of it. It saw the largest share of all the boroughs. And it was largely because of the the borough's wealth and mobility. So, so when you think about not coming back in or delaying, and then you look at markets like the Hamptons or the Hudson Valley, where there's been a tremendous amount of real estate activity, that real estate activity has been fueled um, by low mortgage rates and remote work. Um, and so I'm not really answering your question because it's not any specific cohort. It really is um, everything has changed. And what I mean by that is think about uh, right now, remote work. Remote work is being resolved, you know, for the next couple of years. It's this sort of 
push and pull, and that determines who else comes into the city or doesn't. So we still, we're sort of right in the thick of it right now. I think we have a number of years to see how this plays out. What about specific neighborhoods that are growing or not growing? Where do you see the new businesses being created and, you know, businesses coming in, businesses investing? What, what about that? What do you know about that uh, specific um, stat? Sure. So the way to think of it is that uh, commercial real estate and retail, if we separate them out and we look at retail uh, and you just have to walk around the city and you see in commercial districts, especially, is you see uh, retail closed, boarded up, uh, vacant, you know, a sign to say we'll be back, et cetera. Um, uh, that's still a work in progress because it's heavily dependent on office workers in those commercial business districts. And September was supposed to be the month that corporate America returned to the city. Uh, but with the Delta variant, that's been, that can has been kicked down the road a bit. And while there's an uptick, uh, it's so, that's so important for um, retail. It, it breathes oxygen into street level retail. What you can see now, and this is just anecdotal, not a data driven, as I, because I'm going into the city uh, two to three days a week now, is uh, you see, uh, you know, retail retail spaces being renovated as if prepared for some sort of, you know, uh, tenancy, whether it's the existing or new. Um, you have to remember that because 80% of the, uh, the office towers are essentially empty, they're waiting for that callback. Um, that callback really is going to take, you know, through at least early part of next year before we see critical mass, assuming another variant doesn't come back, come, come into the picture. In residential, Jonathan, in layman's terms, how are people affording these prices? Right. So that is... Buyers? Where's the money coming from? Right. So... So what this, the way this plays out, it's fascinating, is that I don't think there is a full appreciation, no pun intended, full appreciation <laughs> of the idea uh, of how much mortgage rates have fallen. You have to remember that pre-pandemic, mortgage rates fell quite a bit and the economy was relatively strong. Uh, some say that had a lot to do with the Fed and the you know, negotiating or trying to keep the economy from going into a recession during the trade war. Um, but we, uh, but since, since the pandemic rates fell down and then, you know, anytime I think there's going to be a new variant or something announced, rates are going to, are remaining low or at record low levels. Uh, and so if you look at how much of personal um, uh, or household income is going towards debt payment. Uh, just earlier this year, it was only about half the level that it was uh, during the bubble. Really? And so, so I think there's, I think there's a misnomer. I think that low rates are driving this. Now, the problem with that is that about fifty percent of people that hold a mortgage in the U.S. have a rate of around four percent. So. 4% could be seen as the tipping point where a lot of transactional volume, you know, and this isn't unique to New York. We're seeing 
I cover about three dozen housing markets for Douglas Elliman Real Estate in the U.S. from Southern California and Colorado, Texas, uh, Boston, Florida. And it's the same scenario everywhere where there's insatiable volume being driven by low mortgage rates and it's running into a brick wall, which is lack of supply because supply can't be sort of organically, just if you put new construction aside, supply can't be created as orga- quickly, you know, organically as uh, as this drop in rates has sort of demanded. And so we have these massive price run-ups and there will afford I'm not sugarcoating that, look, you can't have 15, 20% price growth and not have affordability challenge unless rates fall further. So there is a point. Uh, Will prices where... come down anytime soon, do you think, for people who have been waiting to buy and they've lost bidding wars? Right. So uh, bidding wars has been this incredible phenomenon just in the outlying suburbs of New York City. Uh Fairfield County, 50% of the transactions in the second quarter sold above the last asking price, which is essentially a proxy for bidding wars. Long Island was in the 40 percentile. Westchester's in the 40 percentile. You know, big numbers in California, I had read in August, it was something like 70%, um, which which is a little bit unnerving. The thing is um, that the price growth that's being driven now is lack of supply. So A, you know, the answer is supply going to change in the immediate future uh, radically? And I, I, I don't know what that phenomenon would be. I think that's part of the, the problem. And then, and then B, um, there was no, what I would call financial engineering, like we saw during the financial crisis, uh, that actually mortgage underwriting for banks is about 20% tighter uh, than it than it historically should be. So in other words, we're not it doesn't look like we're going to have a banking crisis at the end of this. And I think the words to be thinking about instead of correction like we saw after Lehman collapsed uh, in 08, um, I think we should be looking at words like plateauing or cooling. Um, where we sort of level off until supply edges higher again. Uh, remember that on top of this, we have billions in stimulus from the federal government coming through the region over the and you know maybe even more than what we know of in the next few years, and that's going to keep the demand pressure on to a certain extent. Neil, one more. Yeah, with offices um, still not at uh, pre-pandemic levels, do you think that? that being converted to residential buildings that may even out the market or will that just not have that much of a significant impact? I I think that the conversion of commercial office space to residential, and there's been a lot of talk about that in terms of creating affordability uh, and, and sort of the obsolescence of commercial, you know, excess commercial space as remote really kicks in. Um, I think is far more difficult than people imagine because there's going to have to be rezoning and uh, uh, changing and upgrading to, you know, a certificate of occupancy or, uh, you know, to to the uh, the to convert to residential space, I think Mm -hmm. is pretty expensive. The thing that the way I look at it is when you look at commercial 
real estate right now and the vulnerability from remote. I used to say a few months ago, we were at peak Zoom um, and and we came from, you know, we're, so we're not, we're not going to be at peak Zoom when this settles out and we're not going to be where we came from. We're going to be somewhere in between and that's what's being decided. But the way to think of it uh, is, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, uh, between five and seven percent of office workers worked a hundred percent or close to a hundred percent remote, right? Uh, let's just call it five percent. Uh, so there's, you know, a lot of talk. Hey, that's going to double or triple. So that's ten or fifteen percent. That math isn't hard to figure out. If you look at the next fifty percent of office workers that were working five days a week, they're going to be working four, three, two, or one. And that's what we're trying to figure out. And that's going to determine what rents, you know, I think rents are just ultimately for commercial leasing are going to come down substantially, uh, but just not imminently because companies have five, 10 year leases in place and it's going to be a sort of a slow process. But I think it's going to, there's, it's going to be less expensive. And as a result, you're going to bring in uh, businesses that were priced out of class office Class A office space. Um, I'm calling the rental, the residential rental market, sort of a youth renaissance, which has all kinds of sort of interesting opportunities for New York City in the future. And this is rather subjective. My last question, and I don't know if you want to answer it or can. Where are some of the best buying opportunities now for different demographic groups? Is it Brooklyn? For uh, younger people moving in for the first time, how about people who maybe want to move to the suburbs? Where are some good places to look? So, uh, so it, I guess it it really depends on like the segments, uh, like you're alluding to the segments that you you actually find yourself in. Uh, I actually think you know just in a broad sort of statement that. Um, the hardest hit region in New York City metro, whether we're talking about the suburbs, the five boroughs, is actually Manhattan. Manhattan is the outlier. Manhattan saw the most impact. And it wasn't all that much, but you're looking at a COVID discount, uh, which is compressing pretty quickly, of somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 10%. Um, and it just, you know, and, and beyond that, the outer boroughs really didn't see the the discounting or the, the the correction in prices that the city that Manhattan did itself largely because of that element I told you before which was wealth and mobility that you know that the you know that the ex you know the in air quotes the exodus uh you know because of wealth and mobility just delayed when they wanted to come back and they're starting to come back now and those discounts, I think, are really being compressed. How about in the suburbs? Where is there an area where there might be some buys? Uh, so uh, I think when I think of the suburbs, I think that there's very little. Hmm. Uh, to, in other words, that while the city was, especially when I say the city, I mean Manhattan itself, was sort of struggling, the suburbs it was like the wild west. Like we're looking at 10 to 20% price growth across all sort of price segments of the markets in markets I cover like Westchester, Fairfield and Long Island and including the Hamptons. 
So I think the way to think of it is not whether there's like a place with a steep discount. I think of uh, where the value will be sustained. And, and I think that, you know, there, there's a tremendous, when you think of the suburbs, uh, after the dust settles on the pandemic, fingers crossed, there's, you know, it's, it's eradicated. We don't have any more variants. I know this is wishful thinking, but you look at it that way. Um, the suburbs still have remote or Zoom. You know, they have that, that option that never existed before. And, uh, and I think that's going to be the residual sort of leftover from the pandemic after we're past this. This has been so interesting. It's been like auditing a Columbia University uh, course with Professor Jonathan Miller. And uh, thank you for humanizing all of this data for us. It's great to uh, listen to you. And I uh, hope we'll have you back sometime, Jonathan. Thanks Anytime. for explaining all this. Yeah, really, my pleasure. I love what you guys do, and I'm happy to join you anytime. Thank you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.